Zach Wilson, I think, can actually be a league winner, right? Like, I think that Zach Wilson can actually be that go-to guy. And, you know, you probably made that – you probably got that championship belt last year, right? We oh, went yeah. from, Kings? from trophies yeah. – dude, the Kings belt. Like, that. I saw that belt. I didn't realize how heavy that belt was. That's a big sucker, man. You see the picture I tweeted my grandma with it? <laughs> no, I missed that. That's awesome. It was was so she able funny. to pick it up, or did you have to like put it on like her shoulder? She was outside, and she's like freaking ninety. Like she was outside just watering the flowers, and I was like, "Oh, Oma, like come look at this belt real quick." I was just gonna show it to her, and she takes it and throws it on her shoulder, and is like, "Walking <laughs> Dude, around that thing's with like forty-five pounds or something." I know. I was heavy. like, "I was like, oh my, that thing weighs half your freaking size." Like, what are you doing? 10 out of 10 for me, man. That shit was legit. I We did a bulk order, I think, because like the past champions were able to uh, apply for it. So yep. it was a hundred bucks each, man. Hey, I, you know, I, I lose a hundred bucks on a, on a regular UFC card trying to trying to bet on whatever's going on. So at least that one gets to uh, stay in my mantle for a while. So trophysmack.com. Dude, they got these trophies that are like three or four feet tall. Like they're insane. You can get one with, like fishbowls on it. You can get one with like bobbleheads on it. It is sick, man. You guys got to go check out trophysmack.com. I mean, you heard it. Ian didn't even know. And he literally vouched for the company without even knowing the news vouching for it. Go check out trophysmack.com. While you're there, go enter in promo code CIRCLE. Once again, that's promo code CIRCLE. You will get a free ring valued at 60 bucks. So go check out trophysmack.com. Go enter in the promo code CIRCLE to get your free ring. 75 player positives from COVID over the past two days. Yeah, they said 37 yesterday was a record. And then today it just kept like coming in like this person's positive. This person's positive. This team's in enhanced protocols. Like what in the hell is happening? It's intense and it's unfortunate because we're in the fantasy playoffs. And, you know, I didn't realize that, you know, the fantasy playoffs was going to include so much freaking. Co I mean, this is more than last year. This is absolutely absurd for what's happening. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. out there. But I do swear to God, if Odell gives Cooper Cup COVID, I'm going to riot. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into yes, another episode of Fantasy Intervention coming at you quick, fast, and in a hurry. I'm Chase. You guys can find me over there at FF underscore intervention, and I am joined by Britt Flynn. You can find her on Twitter at Britt underscore Flynn. What you got going on, Britt? How you doing tonight? Oh, man, I'm good. Cooking dinner. Had some Christmas tunes jamming. Trying to get ready for playoffs, for best ball. Um, the only thing is... That whole COVID thing, I'm furiously checking my phone. Like, please don't let any of my players be out. Please Ugh. don't let them be out. <laughs> Who's getting it next? That's the real question. Who's actually going to get it next? I mean, what is it? The Vikings are getting hit hard. I believe it's the uh, 
The Chargers are getting crushed right now. I think the Chiefs actually have an issue. You play the Chargers this week. I know the Dolphins have the Dolphins have all the running backs out. So Duke Johnson is actually somebody that people are targeting. I mean, I hope that's the case. Like free Duke Johnson. Let's go. Ian Hart sits over there. But uh, no, I'm excited for this episode. We already have the questions rolling in from fantasy football discussion. So welcome on in crew from over there. We will get to your questions, of course. But I want to review the episode real quick. I want to let y'all know what's to come because we decided that we still want to do this waiver wire for the teams that are in the playoffs, but we don't want to make this just exclusive to teams that are in the playoffs. So what we are deciding to do is we're still going to keep the waiver wire show on Tuesdays. However, towards the tail end of the episode, probably like the second half of it, we're actually going to be discussing some DFS plays. For those of you that want to get into DFS, for those of you who want to keep playing into the playoffs, although you might not have made it, and so we're going to do some, we're going to highlight some players, right? Who you might not be thinking about, and uh, who could actually get you some money over there in DFS. So make sure y'all keep watching with us on Tuesdays, eight o'clock Eastern time, as we continue to cover all things football and especially DFS. Because I don't know if y'all knew this, but I write for PlayerProfiler.com and I write. DFS articles. Britt actually writes as well. Britt, where can they find your work? Um, you can find me on fightingchancefantasy.com. Every week I put out a DFS value article. Just the players who are kind of flying under the radar, you know, if you need to save some salary cap to throw your studs in there, these are the players who could meet or exceed value and win you some cash. Absolutely love it. And those articles are excellent. I saw that you hit, oh my God, like flawlessly last week. It was I, it was pretty, pretty close. Yeah, it was, it was good. <laughs> Who, who'd you end up calling? Who was your big, uh, the big player that you were touting? Oh man, I can't have, I write so much. I'm like, well, what happened? Um, I did call Taysom Hill, which I was a little bit nervous about halfway, even three quarters of the way through the game. And then he <laughs> yeah. got that, that really selfish, you know, like 50 yard touchdown run. And I was like, yes, I'm validated. I'm vindicated. <laughs> Oh man. Oh, and the Connor take the Connor take. Cause I was at oh. work last night and I wasn't able to check it out, but yeah, the Connor take, that was absolutely amazing. So great hit on there, but let's go ahead. We're this week. We're not doing the DFS. The DFS starts next week. So let's go ahead and cover this waiver wire show. If you guys have any questions about waivers, get them in the chat. We will be answering them periodically. We'll start out with Colby's question over here. Full PPR. Keep one for the rest of the season, Miles Sanders or James Robinson. These are two players that have been, Oh, man, somewhat of a disappointment this season. I mean, the usage with Urban Meyer and how he's refused to to give James Robson an opportunity week after week after week after week, even after Herbert, I'm sorry, not Herbert, Lawrence came in and said, hey, we need this guy on the field. He still, he still ended up giving James Robinson a limited touch share with, I mean, like no offense being generated. Lawrence was getting crushed, and they still only ran it a total of what, like eight times or so? So. I mean, James Robinson over there is something. What's going on? <laughs> uh, my cat apparently was upstairs and was, uh, my cat was apparently upstairs and was freaking out. So I texted, please come get the cat. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, James Robinson was somebody that, uh, James Robinson was somebody that's that's been majorly disappointing. Meanwhile, Miles, Miles Sanders, every time that he seems like he's about to break out, you know, we saw him in the second half up against Tampa Bay. And then the Raiders, he comes out and crushes it, gets like 30 yards on like six carries or whatever it was. And then he ends up getting hurt. And then now he ends up getting the, the touch share that we wanted to see three weeks in a row. He gets it on the third week and gets hurt at the tail end of the game. They go through a bye this past week. They still don't know if he's able to play this week. 
and Jordan Howard is returning. So for me, at this point in time, I obviously don't really want to keep either one of these guys, but I still want to keep both of these guys because you never know which one's going to explode. However, I know that Washington, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, so I don't want to give too much away. Washington's defense, they play, the Eagles play Washington twice over the next three weeks. They play the Giants, which is great. And Washington hasn't allowed, what was the over-under for Zeke this past week? I believe it was 53.5 yards was the over-under for Zeke. Washington hasn't allowed that to a running back on the ground since week six. They still didn't allow it this past week. I don't think they've allowed a single running back to get over 75 yards on the ground. So it's something as to where Washington's defense has been great. And Miles Sanders, unfortunately, isn't getting used enough in the passing game. So if I had to pick between these two, I'm going to go ahead and fade Miles Sanders. That's very painful for me to say. This is a situation where obviously it has to be more of a shallow league uh, for you to, to be considered dropping either one of these guys for any player that's coming out of waiver wires. Yeah, at this point, it just comes down to trust. You know, they're both very good players. They're they're great. They're just both in bad systems. Um, Urban Meyer has no shame, no blame. I mean, puts it on everybody else but himself, even when he is the the vortex of the shit show that is in Jacksonville. Um, Sanders, Sirianni's kind of the same thing. You never know who he's going to work in. And Sanders never gets the goal line work. So... That's a it's a super tough call, but I think you have to go with Robinson just because Sanders is competing with so many other people with Boston Scott, with Howard, with Gainwell, even mixing in there. So sorry, I was on mute. I apologize. Uh no, <laughs> it was uh yeah, it's something that, that's very frustrating. And Benjamin, I see your question. We're definitely gonna get to that, Joseph, as well. But real quick, I'm gonna give an overview of what to expect from this show. So at first we have the no shit quarterbacks, which are the no shit players, I should say, where we have quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, who are obvious pickups. We're not going to divulge too much into that aspect. We're going to tell you, hey, yeah, you should obviously pick them up if you need somebody on your roster. Then we're going to go into the players that you want to fade, the players that everybody's telling you to pick up, but you want nothing to do with. And then we're going to close it out with a couple of gems. So go ahead and get us started out, Britt. What's our first quarterback that you want to talk about as a no shit pickup? Actually, hit your hit your first two. Oh, I love Tua this week. So Tua is only rostered in 38% of ESPN leagues, 34% of Yahoo leagues. His floor is super safe, as he's shown all season long when he's started um, as the caveat. But week 15, he's playing the Jets. I mean, enough said, right? Um, he's got the Jets, who are 28th against the quarterback, New Orleans, who are 21st against the quarterback, and then Tennessee, who are 26th against the quarterback. Like Tua can throw, he can run, he got Devontae Parker back. His whole schedule going down the stretch is just beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it's something as to where Tua is a, a great option moving forward. You know, I also like Big Ben moving forward as well, which we can jump into here in a little bit. And then uh, your next player, Taysom Hill, who, like you said, got you a little bit nervous. But, you know, what, what's your feeling on Taysom Hill moving forward? So I'm a little bit nervous uh, going down, you know, week 16 um, and 17. But this week he has Tampa Bay, who's 25th against the quarterback. And Taysom's selfish. Like Taysom will take off and just try to do everything himself. You know, he's played linebacker. He's played defensive back. He's played quarterback. He's basically played every position on this field. So if he sees a lane and thinks that he can can get it by using his legs, he's going to do it. 
Um, it might be to the detriment of other skill position players on his team, but if he's in my quarterback roster, I don't really care about that. <laughs> no. And I agree with you, like to an extent, right? Taste Mill still makes me a little bit nervous. And to this question that Benjamin brought in, he said, Hey guys, I've been riding the riding Hill for the past two weeks of quarterback. He's got the bucks this week. Would you stick with him or target fields, Roethlisberger, Garoppolo? And, you know, Garoppolo has been okay as of late. Fields makes me definitely a little bit nervous, but he always has that rushing upside, and we saw it back, you know, in, in week 14. Uh, and Roethlisberger's schedule is is dirty. It's great. The Bucks have such a great uh, defense against the run. It makes me nervous to play Taysom Hill. Now, I know, I know he's not a quarterback. I mean, I'm sorry. I know that he's a quarterback, not a, not a running back, right? But either way, the speed of Devin White and his ability to cover sideline to sideline is something that makes me very, very nervous moving forward for Taysom Hill. So for me, Taysom Hill is not a no shit. Uh, you know, like you have to pick up this play. You have to you have to play Taysom Hill this week. I might pivot over to Fields or Roethlisberger, but it's more about what you need. If you need a solid floor, right? You need somebody to get you, you know, 20 points, 18 points, and you're going to let the rest of your team beat your opposition then I'd rather go with Roethlisberger. If I need a high upside play, I'd take the shot on Fields or I'd take the shot on Hill. And honestly, it's personal preference at that point, you know, pending the matchups, which we'll actually cover tomorrow night at 9 o'clock Eastern time over there on YouTube.com slash Fantasy Intervention. Go join us on there, guys. Go hit subscribe and like. And if you're over there on Twitter watching, we cannot see your comments. So go over there right now to YouTube.com slash Fantasy Intervention and hit subscribe and like and bring in those questions for us. But yeah, Benjamin, it's something that's tough right now for Hill. Uh, for your running back situation, Britt, what do you have over there for your no-shit running back, the running back that you obviously have to get on your rosters for, for this week 15? Oh, my number one is Rashad Penny. So we've all heard in the past, Pete Carroll's like, I'm going to get this person involved. He's going to have a lot more work. This week, he actually did it. He actually lived up to what he said he was going to do. He gave Penny the carries. Penny made the most of all those carries he had 137 yard on 16 carries and two touchdowns. I mean, that's crazy. And then after he, he did that, um, Pete Carroll said that he'll continue rotating the backs, but quote, Penny deserves the chance to be the primary option out of the backfield. Um, their upcoming schedule is just so beautiful. They've got the Rams, they've got Chicago and then week 17, they have Detroit. They have Detroit in championship week. I mean, like, pick him up, fire him up everywhere. As long as Pete Carroll doesn't waffle and go back from what he's saying, I think Penny is a smash going down the stretch and a, and a league winner to be. Yeah. We definitely don't want Pete Carroll doing the wobble. Uh, you know, that can end up breaking <laughs> a hip. So I do see by the way that we have Joseph's question in the chat, Joseph, we are going to get there, but I'm going to save that for the next segment that we have with the quarterback situation. I definitely want to answer your question on that. But uh, your next running back is Justin Jackson. This is a take that I hate, but I could not put it in my my garbage pile of trash for the waiver wire pickups that I write for trophysmack.com. So tell me about Justin Jackson. Tell me why you like him, and tell me why I should change my mind. See, it all depends on Eckler's status. He did get upgraded to limited a couple of hours ago, so this does kind of change from the time that I wrote this to now. Um but Justin Jackson is more of the pass catching back. We all know how the Chargers love to utilize their pass catchers and their schedule going forward. If Eckler's injury either gets aggravated or is worse than we initially think, 
they've got Kansas City, Houston, and then Denver. So if you're looking, you know, to to handcuff Eckler, I would go Justin Jackson over Josh Kelly or any of the other backs um, in that Chargers backfield just because Justin Jackson does have that pass catching upside. Yeah, I mean, so I really like Joshua Kelly first off. I think he's an excellent player. I think that he lost his confidence last year, and I think he went through some some mental issues uh, in terms of you know knowing that he can make it in the NFL, which once again goes back to confidence. However, with with Justin Jackson, I understand that he could get the passing down work and whatnot. And you know, up against Kansas City, they're going to have to pass. Up against Houston, they might not have to. So that could be a Joshua Kelly weekend. Up against Denver, I really don't want to play either one. So. As for, for Justin Jackson, Eckler's practicing like you brought up. And, you know, when you type this up, he obviously wasn't. But Justin Jackson could get hurt himself after just a few plays. I mean, I don't think he's seen anything north of, what, 15 touches without getting hurt? I mean, this guy is the definition of injury prone. And I know that we shouldn't be using that and that doesn't exist. It does exist, people. Like, if you don't know how to take hits, and this was my biggest knock about, about CEH, Right, CH does not know how to take hits because he never had to take hits because he was always the quickest person on the field and he was so great at avoiding tackles. If you don't know how to take hits, a la Robert Griffin, right? Like if you don't know how to take hits because you never had to take hits, then you don't build up a tolerance. You don't know how to take them when people do hit you. And Justin Jackson is one of those players. I mean, let's see. He saw nine catches last week. That's I mean nine nine carries last week. That's the season high. Uh, he saw 15 carries without getting hurt, and then he saw 17 carries, and he got hurt in that game. I mean, that was uh, last year. The year before that, I mean, he barely even played. This guy is just somebody that cannot stay on the field no matter how bad we want him to stay on the field. He can't stay on the field. So I don't want to go out and spend the last little bit of my fab or my waiver eye priority over one of my competitors on somebody that I don't even know if can make it through the contest and who I probably don't want to play two of the, the next three weeks. So for Justin Jackson, he is more of a fade for me, although I think that he will be usable up against Kansas City if you're in an emergency situation. Maybe you had DeAndre Swift or something like that. Should be one game out of. Oh, which that game we'll talk about shortly because that was just a disaster. <laughs> I can't. All right. So you got Dearness Johnson on here. So so tell me a little bit about Dearness Johnson. Why should I go out and pick him up? So again, I wrote this before all of this COVID news busted out today. Um, the O-line in Cleveland is still, it's very decimated by COVID. But I think up against the Raiders, who are 31st against the run, he'll still get his. Um, Kareem Hunt is doubtful, very doubtful for week 15 with an ankle injury. We're not sure how long he's going to miss, but Cleveland is such a run heavy team that I think that both Chubb and Dearness Johnson will get utilized. Um, they've got the Raiders who are 31st against the run Green Bay, who's 14th and then Pittsburgh, who's 32nd. So depending on the severity of Hunt's injury, ooh, Johnson ooh. could be in play. Pick me teacher. Pick, pick me. What's Cause that? they're, they're also 30th. In the dump off containment efficiency score, which ages, yeah, pass catching running backs and their ability to stop pass catching running backs. So you're talking about what a dump off containment efficiency score of a 7.52, which is in the, the 30th in the league. They're absolutely terrible at stopping pass catching running backs. And the reality is, is although they've played 18 pass catching running backs in the season, their pass catching running backs that they played are 19. They're allowing 11 points per game to pass catching running backs, which are running backs that run at least 10 routes per game. 
I mean, this is a, a dream matchup scenario for Deanner Shonson. Uh, you know, and if the Browns see themselves up, they could pull Nick Chubb out of the game to keep him healthy for the playoffs. And you're going to see Jaron Johnson just tear up the fourth quarter. Let's go. Let's go. Love I it. mean, they're bas- they're basically going to have to run it also because, you know, like I said, that O-line is so decimated. The pass rush of the Raiders is actually really good. And so I think Baker is going to be pressured. He's going to be hit into the dirt. He won't have time to go through his progressions and read everything. I think they're going to rely on that run game a lot, even more heavily than they normally do, just to protect Baker. And, uh, yeah, Johnson's going to be a beneficiary of that. All right, so so let's go up with this next player, a guy that you know hasn't really played the whole season. Right. You know, we saw a breakout from him. Was that two years ago now or was it last? I think it was two years ago now. Mm -hmm. And then last year is kind of like, eh, meh. But, you know, somebody that could actually be a league winner. And I tried to find somebody to fight you on this, by the way, and and nobody will take it, you know, but uh, Devontae Parker. Right. I mean, I I don't even know how he's available, but, but tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, he's only rostered in 50% of ESPN leagues, 40% of Yahoo leagues. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he has been injured this season. Um, But in week 13, he hauled in five receptions out of five targets for 62 yards. And I mean, that's not crazy, but you get double digits and that definitely makes him a worthy flex option. And this upcoming schedule is beautiful. So they've got the Jets this week who are 17th against the wide receiver they have new orleans who are 27th against the wide receiver and normally you know if parker was in his prime you would have marshawn Lattimore on him that's not the case anymore Lattimore should probably be on waddle then in week 17 they get the tennessee titans who are 31st against the wide receiver position that's just in the past four weeks on the season they're allowing over 40 points fantasy points a game to the wide receivers i mean you could not ask for a better stash going down the stretch. I am in love with Devontae Parker. Obsessed. He's got to be on all my rosters. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm on board with, with MBS. I mean, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm on board with, yeah, I'm on board with, with this whole take. I absolutely love it. Uh, who do you have next? So I kind of waffled between MVS and Alan Lazard. Um, They're rostered in 18.8 and 4.1 of ESPN leagues, respectively. Randall Cobb's on IR, right? Pretty severe abdominal injury from all accounts. This week, Lazard seemed to be the guy to slide in and pick up all those vacated targets. Um, He got 75 yards on seven targets, and he got a touchdown. On the flip side, MVS has been targeted 24 times over the past three games. And he's put up 203 yards and a touchdown. Both of these guys also have a great upcoming schedule against Baltimore, Cleveland, and Minnesota. I would put in a waiver for both of these guys as like a contingency bid because either of these guys are a great pickup. Like, go do it. Oof, man. I So Lazard got the... Got the targets. MVS had the efficiency. Uh, you know, and, and this is something that actually makes me nervous trying to pick which one of these guys is going to go off. So for MVS and Alan Lazard, I'm actually fading them for the most part, unless I just need a massive upside play, in which case I would go with MVS. But the majority of Alan Lazard's production has come in matchup dependent situations. Uh, for example, who was it? Was it was it Eddie Jackson, I believe, for the Bears? He was matched up in the slot when they had like five yards to go. 
and they ended up uh, targeting him in the end zone because Eddie, I'm sorry, not Eddie, uh, Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is like 5'10", you know, and he's a safety, couldn't cover him. Then the next week he had somebody else who was significantly uh, not, not physically able to cover him. He ended up with a touchdown again. And then the following week he faced Washington, and Washington put up uh, their four-string cornerback because there was an injury, and their four-string quarterback, I think it was, was it Sean Davis, was up against the match. I mean, it was nobody. Like, it's nobody that you should remember their name. So Alan Lazard was able to physically enable his will, right, and body him up and end up getting a touchdown again. I mean, Lazard's 6'5". So they need to find these matchups every single week for Lazard to actually be successful. And if they don't find these matchups, I don't love it. However, what I do love in picking these guys up, right, not picking them up and, and playing them, but at least picking them up is having a handcuff for Devontae Adams, because if something happens to Devontae Adams, or maybe they want to hold him out for a couple games, you know, maybe he hurts his ankle and they know they're going to the playoffs. I, I love having this as a wide receiver handcuff, which I don't normally agree with, but in this case scenario, you know, Rogers is going to have to pass at some point, you know, he's going to be accurate. I would pick these guys up as somebody to hold on to uh, just in case of a Devontae Adams injury, because Devontae Adams has such a significant role in this offense. Or even just stash them because, as we've seen today, so many people are going down with COVID. It's crazy! Like, if you need somebody to just stash to plug and play, I mean, not even just for Adams necessarily, but... It's all right. I, I heard everybody on Green Bay is actually on the Joe Rogan plan, so they should be good. All right, let's go ahead and hop over to Russell Gage, who is somebody that I, I can't get on board with. I know he's seen the targets and yada, yada, but I can't trust him. I can't trust him, Britt. Why should I trust him? See, I'll take my L here because I haven't trusted him either. But over the past few weeks, it's been consistent, consistent, consistent. Um, over the past four games, he's averaged eight targets in each game, and he's put up double-digit PPR fantasy points in the past three. The upcoming schedule is actually pretty good, too. They're playing San Francisco, who's 29th in the past four weeks against the wide receiver. Detroit, who's actually shockingly good against the wide receiver at 12th. And then they have Buffalo at fourth. So it's rough the next two weeks. But obviously, if you need a plug in for someone who has COVID, um, somebody who's injured, week 15's matchup is nice. I wouldn't necessarily, you know, drop a bunch of fab on it. But if Gage is out there, he's he's going to be a good play against San Fran. Mm. Their 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 secondary is so hurt too. Uh, so you do bring up a good point. Oh man, I I do see Jamal. What's going on, Jamal? Man, how you doing? You're in the chat. Uh, you asked a question about Rashad Penny, which we already talked about. We love Rashad Penny moving forward. Uh, this is such a uh, an awesome pickup for Rashad Penny. But we talked about it back two weeks ago. We talked about it again this week. And you know, Rashad Penny has been somebody that I've been all over since October 20th. I think was the date that I posted my first Rashad Penny. Think about it. you have to grab him for the end of the season. And, you know, he's been paying off. So I will say that Amaral St. Brown, we will cover here very soon. So don't, don't hop off. And, yeah, Joseph, we didn't forget about you. We still have you coming as well. Uh, let's go ahead and hop onto your tight ends, and then we'll get onto Joseph's question as we go on to the players to avoid. So your tight end over there is Tyler Conklin, who, God, he's been so hit or miss this, this year. I mean, you talk about a player who just – like if you find the right matchups, he's great. But without the right matchups, it's it's a whole different animal. However, with Adam Thielen possibly being out, I mean, what are we looking at over here for for Tyler Conklin? Well, when I was researching him, I was actually kind of surprised about the stat. Um, he's third in targets on the team 
this season with a 13.7% target share. And that's with a healthy Adam Thielen. Everything's consolidated in this offense. Everything's so consolidated. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy, but you know, we go over this every week. The tight end position is so messy unless you have one of these top tight ends. It's, you're basically rolling dice with anybody who you pick up off waivers and Conklin to me has the safest floor and the most opportunity for upside. It's true. I mean, he does have the the opportunity and the the volume and the upside, like everything's there for it to make sense. Uh, What's the schedule moving forward? Did you see that? Oh, they're playing the bears, the Rams, and then the Packers. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, Chicago, ever since they played the Steelers, has been very porous up against the tight end position. Meanwhile, the Rams allow underneath targets constantly. Like, I mean, if, if you want something underneath, you can just have it against the Rams. They'll, they'll gift wrap it for you, and they'll send it to you. Like, they'll, they'll mail it directly to, hey, you want five yards underneath? Take it. We're just not going to give up the big play. And then Green Bay, once again, their outside coverage is great. Their coverage in the middle field is terrible, so it's all about how they utilize Tyler Conklin moving forward. I like Tyler Conklin as a must pick up. So I will say, I will say though, um, Devondre Campbell is back for green Bay and he's kind of been a tight end killer. So I would caution you against playing Conklin in week 17 against green Bay because Campbell's back. I like that. We'll see what happens as we close in on the playoffs. All right. So let's hop on to the players we want to avoid. Like, Let's get these guys out of here. Let's talk about some of these players that we do not want. And I'm going to start out with one, right? Because we have tough matchups over the next few weeks for Taylor Henneke. He's got the Eagles. He's got the uh, he's got the uh, the Dallas again. And then I think he's got the Eagles after that. Or is it? Yeah, I believe I had it right. Either way. Well, he literally plays like, I think the next few games – the stretch starting last week, they're all NFC East teams. Yeah, so. it's it's five games in a row of NFC East rivals. Let me type in Henneke real quick just to make sure because he is somebody that, that I do want to avoid. Let me make sure I just have the schedule right. Yeah. Oh, it's Philly, Philly, Dallas, Philly. That's what it is. And Taylor Henneke has been very good thus far in the season. We see these slumps that he goes through, right? Everybody's saying you got to play him, you got to play him, and then he lets you down. He puts up 27 points, 33 points, and then – 12 points and 12 points and then 21 points and then 14 points and then 17 points. It's not great, but he he goes through these and that's just because of how they run the offense and how this offensive line just fails to neglect uh, protecting the system or protecting the quarterback essentially. And with the turnovers that happened in Dallas, right? It was incredible. Taylor Henneke was responsible for two turnovers, one fumble, one interception. And then Antonio Gibson fumbled yet again, Another fumble for Antonio Gibson. Uh, moving forward, as we get towards the playoffs, Antonio Gibson got benched big time, big time in this matchup. So I don't believe that Antonio Gibson is going to fumble as often moving forward into this this upcoming stretch they have. And against Philly, I don't think they're going to put the ball in Taylor Henneke's hands because he's too hot or cold. You never know what he's going to do. You never know what stupid throws he's going to make. And he's going to get his wide receivers killed. I mean, oh, that's what happened to McLaurin. They, he got him crushed. Why yep. did you make that throw? He was an underthrow. You had McLaurin open if you throw him a little bit further, but he doesn't have the arm strength, and he makes really stupid decisions because he's not great at processing 
you know, like where he should go. If he has to make one read, two reads, he's great. But if he has to scramble and get outside, get outside the pocket, yeah, he can make plays. But he also is not great at processing where receivers should be. Excuse me, where receivers should be with comparison to where he's actually throwing the ball and where he can keep his receivers safe. So yes, I do not like McLaur or I do not like Henneke moving forward. I think that they're going to do what they've done with Jalen Hurts to an extent which is take the ball out of his hands, give it more often to the running back, even more so than we've already seen. And honestly, up against Philly, I don't know that Washington is going to be down. Washington's defense has been much better as of late. And although they were somewhat faulty, kind of due to turnovers up against Dallas, I just don't see Taylor Henneke attempting 35, 30 passes. Like he, he's not going to be relevant uh, over the stretch. So Justin Fields is my, de- my dude in this, uh, in this starter sit, Joseph. Well, and Justin Fields went into this week's game or this past week's game, averaging 31.1 rush yards a game. He had 75 up against Green Bay. I mean, and they're telling him to run. They're telling him to run. Yes. He's coming into his own. He's the mobile quarterback that everybody thought that he was going to be. I mean, going forward, he's, he's an NFL player now. He's no longer a, a green rookie. No. And he looks good. He looks solid. So tell me your first your first quarterback that you want to discuss on here. This feels so insane to even come out of my mouth because it's Tyler Huntley. And I'm not joking. I saw this on SI. Don't even say it. Don't even say it. Don't but even, I was don't just even like, call him out. <laughs> but I was just like, wait, what? Am I reading this right? And I was like, why? I mean, yeah, Lamar Jackson's day-to-day. We don't really know what's going on. But Huntley had two fumbles against the Browns. He only threw one touchdown. I mean, Lamar's probably going to come back. His ankle, his MRIs came back all right. And then the upcoming schedules, um, Green Bay, Cincinnati, who whose secondary is pretty damn good. And then you've got the Rams. And depending on whether Jalen Ramsey comes back from COVID or not, it just it's just insane to me that Tyler Huntley is even being recommended as – as a waiver wire pickup. It's tough because he does have the rushing ability, right? We saw him run like a hundred yards on a scramble that he, he actually gained what like 10 yards on or whatever the case was. Uh, but Tyler Huntley, somebody that, that can put up fantasy points to an extent. However, his inability to hit Marquise Brown deep is a huge detriment to his fantasy asset or his fantasy ability moving forward. I mean, he cannot hit the broad side of the barn. Now it's been two years in a row, two years. Because I would have won a shit ton of money last year in the in, in the game that uh that Lamar Jackson ran into the locker rooms right with you know with the whatever poops. It was yeah yeah um and <laughs> actually that might have been Trace McSorley either way Huntley had a game in there where he ended up missing Marquise Brown on the right side he overthrew him by about five to seven yards or so and I'm like how do you overthrow a player five to seven yards when you have a clean pocket and he's only 15 yards on the field and he was wide open. It would have been game over, and I would have cashed in. Either way, Tyler Huntley has proved year in and year out that he's inefficient. However, they don't have to change their offense. They don't have to change their offense for Tyler Huntley. So moving forward, Tyler Huntley is okay at being an NFL quarterback, arguably. However, you do not want him for fantasy because although he has this quick twitch twitchability, I don't think that a straight line speed is enough to get you the yards needed in order to make it worth his interceptions and his inefficiencies at quarterback. So Tyler Huntley for me is a major fade. Don't fucking touch him. 
Get off Tyler Huntley. Seriously, guys. Like, if you roll out and pick up Tyler Huntley, in, even in a two-quarterback league, you're asking for punishment. Like, you're in a BSM or some shit. I don't even know. <laughs> let, let's hop on to the running back position because we both have this hate for this one quarterback. And real quick, let me give Marcos a heads up. Marcos, tomorrow night we have a show at 9 o'clock Eastern time that we actually answer the starter sit questions. I haven't started my research on this upcoming week. We're more so looking at waiver wire pickups and deeper plays. Obviously with T. Higgins, Quirrell Patterson, Herbert and Rogers, those guys aren't on the waivers, so I haven't really had a chance to look at them. However, we will end up covering uh, you know, some of these guys tomorrow night. We would love for it if you join us, and we would love for you to actually stay and, and watch the rest of the show. So let's go ahead and hop over. To the running back position, the number one biggest bullshit on this entire <laughs> waiver wire pickup that everybody's touting. And it makes no sense to me because it's driving me nuts. And I'm going to let you, I need to take a deep breath. So I'm going to let you start out with your take on him first, and then I'm going to go ham. I'm going to go in on him. You're I mean, off. I need to take a deep breath too, because when this happened, just watching this game and watching this unfold, I was like, what the hell is happening? So it's Craig Reynolds. Everyone's like, oh, he did so well, blah, 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 blah. It's not Jermar <sighs> Jefferson. It's not Iguabuque. But, like, didn't we learn our lesson on trying to put all of our eggs in the terrible Detroit basket, right? And have you seen the metrics on Reynolds? So this is notwithstanding Swift, who uh, could possibly come back this week, Jamal Williams, who could possibly come back from COVID. Let's just look at the athleticism of Craig Reynolds. He there is none. What are you talking about? Let's look at the And he's in the 16th percentile of the speed the speed score. He's and I wrote in, I wrote in the show sheet what the actual fuck are people advocating him for? I just I can't figure it out. Did, did you read my piece for Trophies Mac? Like is this is this where you're getting the stuff from? Because this is ridiculous. Let me let me go ahead and, and <laughs> show the room what we're dealing with over here. Okay. So he goes out, puts up 83 yards rushing, 19 yards in the ground. Uh, or I'm sorry, 19 yards in the receiving, I believe. Was it 19? Yeah, I think it was 19 yards. Yeah. Uh, or I'm sorry, 16. I think it was 16 yards because he had nine, 99 total yards. 16 yards receiving. All right, so can you see this real quick? Or are, you, are you seeing this? Oh, yeah. Okay, so I wrote this article for trophysmack.com. Y'all can go check it out. And by the way, when you guys go to trophysmack.com, when you guys go to trophysmack.com, y'all can get one of these legit-ass belts. These things are Freaking stupid legit. Uh, you guys use promo code CIRCLE at checkout, trophysmack.com. And as long as you have a trophy or one of these legit belts, right, in your cart, you'll actually get a free ring uh, that's valued at 60 bucks. But you have to make sure that the ring, the trophy, or the belt are in the cart all at the same time in order for you to actually see that, that ring for free. Use promo code CIRCLE. All right, so let's go ahead and break this down. All right, this is the play where he got 35 yards out of his 83 yards rushing, right? 35 yards out of his 83 rushing. And you see him right here, okay? how Can you see how many defenders are in this area uh, right where the, the block is happening in front of him? There, there's five. There's two defenders, and there's three offensive linemen, right? And you can't even see the other guy that's behind this line because the, the offensive linemen are so massive that you can't see the other Denver Bronco. You can't. Like, you see that little helmet right there? There's another player behind him. But this offensive line is so massive, and they're shoving all these guys into a giant pile. Do you think that there's any way that Kenny Young can see 
can see Craig Reynolds behind this line. No, no, there's no way he can't see him. So let's go ahead and let's expand into this next one, right? Where all of a sudden you have a guy now who has a jump step on Kenny Young. Kenny Young is now two yards out of place, and now he has an offensive lineman in front of him. In addition, the offensive lineman grabs his arm. Kenny Young is in the middle of the pile, and Kenny Young is now at, at somewhat full speed, or at least probably 70-80% speed, while, he, while Kenny Young is getting pushed back. He ends up, quote-unquote, breaking this tackle, which he didn't have a chance to break the tackle anyways. He didn't break the tackle. He literally fell onto him. The offensive lineman, the left guard, pushed him in to the running back while still holding one arm. So he tried a one-arm tackle, and that was called a broken tackle. Sure, it was called a broken tackle. You're trying to tackle a guy high because you're trying to get back into place. You don't have time to get down low and try and take the legs out from underneath them. So then, on top of that, if you go back and watch it, right? Actually, you know what? I'm going to pull it back up again. I'm going to pull it back up because I need to talk about this. All right? Like, I, I need to get it. I want you to look down here at the bottom of the screen. You see number 21? Okay, he's backpedaling. That is, I think that's Darby, right? That that has to be, I think it's Darby. Anyways, he's backpedaling, okay? And he catches a guy that's running at full speed at this point, or 70% speed, 80% speed. He catches him from behind and keeps him from getting a touchdown. Why do you want this running back to be the guy that you're relying on as you go into the fantasy playoffs when he can get caught from behind from a dude that's probably seven or eight yards away while backpedaling, but yet can still accelerate and catch up with him from behind. And he only gets 35 yards on an 83-yard run. I mean, I mean on an 83 yards total on the day. Like, this is not the running back that I want as a handcuff. Meanwhile, you have Jamal Williams, who's most likely going to be back for this week. If not, no big deal. It's not the best matchup regardless, right? And then after that, you have DeAndre Swift possibly coming back. And then you have a guy who only got two targets on, I think, 18 routes run. Correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, sure, it was like a 13% target share on routes run, but that's still not great. Yeah, I know he caught 40 passes in his final year of college at the bumfuck of nowhere that he went to school. However, you're sitting there talking about your fantasy playoffs, being reliant on a guy who is unathletic, who obviously can get caught from behind, who was on a practice squad for multiple years. And that's who you want to put your fantasy playoff. You guys remember Mike Boone? Do you remember Mike Boone? I love Mike Boone. Mike Boone is one of my favorite running backs, and yet he was still losing people championships. I think it was, what, week 16 or week 15, right, the semifinals? He did not allow you to get in. And this is a type of player that every single year we see people be like, oh, you know, they're trying to keep their player healthy. He is the athleticism. They know what we're going to, they know what they're, we know what they're going to do. Oh, you got to, you got to grab this guy in waivers. He's going to win you a championship. Get the fuck out of here. Don't bring that shit. All right. My, like Craig Reynolds is so far off from being a league winner. You didn't get your head out of your asses because he's not going to do it. You might as well be wearing a post-it note on your forehead with a gigantic L if you pick up Craig Reynolds. Was that over or under 15 minutes in the rant? Just curious. Um, it was under, but just barely, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go ahead, Jamal. <laughs> Sorry, Jamal. Oh, that's great. Jamal goes laughing my ass off, Craig Reynolds. 
Damn, you're going off on Craig. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, man. I, I don't want to lose you guys' money. I don't want to lose you guys' championships. So I got to make sure I, I'm very firm on my stance when it comes to do not roster these types of players. Same goes from Wayne Gallman. People are picking up Wayne Gallman right now because Alexander Madison is out. It's like, what are you doing? Like, even if Wayne Gallman is active, he's not going to be good enough to win you anything. I mean, Wayne Gallman couldn't even, you know, get playing time over Mike Davis or Quadri Olison. Quadri fucking Olison. Nope. Anyways. Let's go ahead and hop on to this next player that you have because I have him too. I'm going to let you start again because I need to take a breather. You need to breathe. You need like I'm gonna pour an some oxygen tank, I think. <laughs> Let's go. I'm just going to keep drinking this terrible beer. Oh, um, So I have Boston Scott. He's rostered in 17.9% of ESPN leagues, 22% of Yahoo leagues. And it's kind of the same thing like with Craig Reynolds. Why would you waste your time with anyone out of this Philadelphia backfield? This is talent notwithstanding. This goes to a whole scheme of how your offense is running, what your coach wants to do. Um, Jordan Howard will most likely be back. Kenny Gainwell is still in the mix with, as a pass catching back. And Miles Sanders could return from his ankle injury. If, it, if you need any more help or any more persuasion, in why you should not roster Boston Scott. He didn't even get a carry in week 13 <laughs> against the Jets. Against the Jets. <laughs> like how I, I, I'm just I'm speechless. I don't I I just can't. Nobody in that Philadelphia backfield is worth rostering for me. I don't care if they go off because as soon as they go off the next week they're going to give you a bagel. So so I don't know if you remember this, but uh, you know, for years now, right? The the Colts been saying we're going to play the hot hand at running back. That's what the Colts said. Marlon Mack, Naeem Hines. You remember that year before Jonathan Taylor came along, and then for the start of Jonathan Taylor's career, we're going to play the hot hand. You saw Naeem Hines play the majority of the snaps in the beginning of the season, only to see Jonathan Taylor get hot late, and then you know, obviously that was a whole different story. Jonathan Taylor took over; he never got cold again. Uh, they've always had this philosophy, and obviously with Sirianni, he came from the Colts. Same exact philosophy. So it's whoever gets hot. And to sit there and, and say the Boston Scott could get hot, that's great. But the Eagles have Washington twice for the next three weeks and the Giants uh, in, in the week between. The Giants, sure, you could consider playing them there. But, I mean, do you really know that he's going to be the player that gets hot? Or is it going to be Jordan Howard? Or is it going to be Miles Sanders back? Or is it going to be Kenny Gainwell? We don't know. We don't know. What we do know is Washington has been great up against the running backs, which I talked about at the beginning of the show. They've allowed uh, no more than 53, or the overrunner for Zeke, like I talked about in the beginning of the show, if y'all missed it, was 53 and a half. So they haven't allowed a single running back to hit that mark since week six of this year. Or no, they've allowed one, it was CMC, which CMC's, you know, a god anyways. Uh, Zeke didn't hit this past week, so moving forward, right? To sit there and, and think that Washington will give up any yards to the running back is completely, you know, asinine. So Boston Scott's not going to be efficient. He's not going to get yardage. That's not going to happen. I mean, Washington's what allowed one running back, and I think that was CMC, to be efficient uh, this entire season. And then arguably there was, there's one other one. I don't remember who it was at this point. It, it, it doesn't happen. However, Washington does allow pass-catching running backs to succeed. Right, so Washington is, let me pull it up real quick. Washington is 28th in the dump-off containment efficiency score, the DOS score. You all can find it over there at fantasyintervention.com slash DOS. 
they are allowing a 6.37 dump-off containment efficiency score to the running backs. They're allowing 12.1 points per week to pass-catching running backs. Who's the pass-catching running back that, on that team? Because it's not Boston Scott. It's not Jordan Howard. I don't think either one of them have seen more than three receptions, if that, on the entire season. It's Kenny Gainwell. And you have Kenny Gainwell for two of the next three weeks being a relevant option. Uh, meanwhile, in between, yeah, it's not going to be Boston Scott. You guys are wasting your fab and asking for a complete implosion of your entire team. If you decide to pick up Boston Scott or Jordan Howard, I would much rather allow your opponents to pick up Jordan Howard and pick up Boston Scott and allow them to play up against them. So that way their whole entire team just implodes and falls to pieces. And then you can go ahead and win. You could put up no points from your other running back position, and you might still score the same as Boston Scott and Jordan Howard combined. So I'm sitting there. I'm going to let my other league mates take Boston Scott and Jordan Howard and hope their team implodes and go from there. All right. Let's hop on to your wide receivers. Jamie, I see you got a question in the chat. Um, we actually will be covering Ricky Seals-Jones before the end, so stay tuned. Uh, we have the wide receivers and the tight ends, and I'll get to the tight ends um, next. So who is your wide receiver, Britt? So it hurts to say it, but it's Rashad Bateman. I mean, what? he was he was a well, I'll I'll explain. Oh, will and you? It, like I said, it hurts to say this. Doesn't he hurt was me. Such a highly touted rookie coming Doesn't into the season. All. In fact, I'm gonna take a shot to it. Cheers to Rashad <laughs> Bateman sucking the last two weeks of the season. No, I'm just kidding. That's so mean. Oh my god, hateful. Um, <laughs> but I mean so Bateman, you know, he did well when he came back from his IR stint. He blew up against the Browns, but I'm not an advocate of chasing points. I'm not an advocate of thinking that what happened last week is going to happen again this week. In the uh, prior two games, he had weeks 12 and 13. He had five targets combined. He's not getting the targets. He's not getting the work. Um, the upcoming schedules, Green Bay, Cincinnati, the Rams. And we also don't know the status of Lamar Jackson going into week 15. Like, is it going to be Tyler Huntley? Is it going to be Jackson? It seems like Lamar Jackson, if he comes back, prefers um, Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews over Bateman. So I just can't trust him. And as much as I want him on my team, I have to remember we're not playing Dynasty. We're playing Redraft and you just can't waste your fab on him. Yeah, I mean, it's somebody that, that has a very tough matchup. And, I mean, he's likely to see Jalen Ramsey, right, up against the uh, up against the Rams because Jalen Ramsey is most likely not going to be on Marquise Brown since he gets burned so often on double moves. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cincinnati's been great in the secondary thus far in the season. Green Bay, oh, man, Stokes has been great. I, I love this take. I'm trying to find somebody who, who would like to battle you on Rashad Bateman. So if, if you're somebody that loves Rashad Bateman to close out the end of the year, please get at me and uh, we can schedule a battle between, between Britt and whoever you are, <laughs> which Britt doesn't <laughs> know this yet. We're going to talk about it after the show, but anyways, what? let's, <laughs> let's move on to your next one. And Josh Palmer, what you got? So everyone was on Josh Palmer and Jalen Guyton this week, obviously because Keenan Allen was on COVID because uh, Mike Williams was on the COVID list up until, uh, the ninth hour, but I mean, Keenan Allen's coming back. He's going to be here this week. 
that relegates Palmer back into the wide receiver four role behind Williams, behind Guyton. Jared Cook's there. Donald Parham's come on as a great receiving option. I mean, there are just too many pass catching backs, let alone Austin Eckler, if he comes back this week. I mean, there's just too many, too many mouths to feed in this offense. Don't waste a bench spot at at best a wide receiver handcuff in Josh Palmer. Yeah, uh, Josh Palmer is somebody that that I'm not totally down with. I mean, this is somebody that could actually, like, once again, play to rosters. But he's more of a roster clog than anything. Because you're not playing him if Keenan Allen is active. And even if he's not, I mean, he's not a great handcuff. He's still going to be Jalen Guyton in three wide receiver sets. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and fade uh, Josh Palmer as well. It, it's tough for me to say so, but he did make it on my list of guys I want to fade. I'm not completely trashing him, but I don't, I don't want to spend the fab on him. As for for me, I want to talk about somebody that, that you don't have listed. Actually, I want to talk about I want to talk about Robbie motherfucking Anderson, like Robbie Anderson. You got to be kidding me! He like, made Robbie, one good catch, and now he's hot again. Like, what are you people doing picking up Robbie Anderson? This is absolutely absurd to me because Robbie Anderson, he he's been somewhat flawed throughout like this entire process and. and also flawed with how they're using him and it just doesn't make any sense i understand dj moore does have dj moore has this like ask about him right like this 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 flair but he also has a hamstring injury so he has no flair now robbie anderson comes in and he gets the majority of targets and, and he crushes this past week but the thing is he's been getting targets the entire year and he hasn't done anything with them and now you have cam newton who got benched twice he got he didn't just get benched once he got benched Twice last week, he got benched in the second quarter, right? And then uh, PJ Walker comes in, throws an interception, so he comes back in the game. And he gets benched again in the fourth quarter. How do you bench somebody and then put them back in and then bench them again a second? Cam Newton is terrible at playing like quarterback. Quarterback musical chairs. It's and absurd. Then they, and they're and they fired like it's Joe Brady. Like, like Joe they Brady was fired, the problem. They fired Joe Brady after the bye week. They had a bye and they fired him on Sunday after their bye. Like after their bye, it was like the, he played that week and they were like, oh, yeah, we lost last week, but that was actually today. So we're going to, it was absolutely absurd. It was like out of nowhere and it makes zero sense to me. Now, Jamal brings up in the, in the chat real quick, I want to bring this up. Robbie Anderson is one of the biggest letdowns of the season and he is to an extent because of his usage last year. However, DJ Moore was seeing coverages from two and three guys once they brought in sam darnold who was able to run and still throw okay sam darnold was not i mean he wasn't good but he wasn't horrendous like he was with the jets uh, he was able to free up middle linebackers from covering the underneath from dj moore and when he did that he was able to see an increase in targets because he was only getting double covered instead of triple coverage every time uh you know it, it it's something as to where robbie anderson has to be in an advantageous situation with a quarterback that trusts him and that doesn't want to overextend uh, the the ability to have interceptions, right? Like, he's not going to be Aaron Rodgers where he's going to trust, like, regardless of what quarterback's there. Uh, he's not good enough to have his quarterback trust him to make contested catches and whatnot. He has to be almost, like, wide open to an extent, which is why the route tree that he played last year allowed him to be successful and why Curtis Samuel was so valuable to this offense last year was because they weren't able to double cover him at any point. So he normally got the secondary uh, cornerback in single coverage. So 
with that being said, Robbie Anderson got a bunch of targets this past week, but do I want to rely on a quarterback who got benched twice for a CFL quarterback to be the, the guy that I'm going to rely on for the fantasy playoffs after he's seen multiple weeks of over seven or eight targets and did nothing with them? Hell no. Get me the hell away from Robbie Anderson. Get me, just get me off. Like I don't, that didn't sound right. Just don't do it to me. <laughs> and let's go ahead and avoid Robbie Anderson altogether because he's not getting me off. No, he's, I, I agree with Jamal. He is a huge, huge letdown. I expected way more from him this year, both with Darnold and then with Cam coming in because he has rapport with both of them. So I just don't get it. Doesn't make any sense. All right, so let's go ahead and let's let's bring up your next receiver because I think you have one more before we hop into the uh, the tight end position. Um, and this is a player that I like, so I'm very hurt that you decided to put this in in the section. I mean, it, it broke my heart. Yeah, um, we touched on it earlier with Dearness Johnson. We kind of talked about Cleveland's um, woes at the offensive line position, and so I have Donovan Peoples Jones with the. Don't do this I'm going to me, say Greg. I'm going to say COVID again, but. With the news of all the COVID cases popping up in Cleveland, um, DPJ has appeared on several waiver lists just because there's no Jarvis Landry. There's no Austin Hooper. So Baker has to have somebody to throw to, right? But I don't think that's going to be the case. Cleveland's missing basically its entire offensive line, and Baker's going to be knocked on his ass like over and over and over. Like Max Crosby is going to be in his face the entire time. He's going to be pressured. He's not going to have any time to throw the ball. He's going to throw interceptions, and even if DPJ is down there trying to run routes, get open, whatever, it's not going to matter because Baker's not going to have time to throw the ball. And it sucks because Baker Mayfield is one of the worst guys at completing passes outside the numbers, and that's where DPJ thrives. But we've seen them still have a connection. They they are connected, Britt. They're connected like this. like They're, they're connected. And uh, they, they've shown this connection before, and in training camp they showed it, and I know they have not still – met up in multiple weeks and they, they haven't made eye contact and said, Hey, I want to take you out to dinner, but it, you know, it's still like, Hey, how's your mama doing? Uh, but it's still there. They still have this, this thing. And it showed the past week where he took, you know, five receptions for 90 yards to the house and they don't have to have, like, they don't have to have a volume because Donovan people's Jones is so good. He just brings this level of efficiency that's just there. It's just Baker is so bad. And you're right about the offensive line, and you're right about Donovan Peoples-Jones not being able to get downfield because Baker Mayfield is not going to be able to see him because he's sitting on his ass. The play is going to be done. However, with Jarvis Landry out, right, there's a possibility they use him underneath a little more often, especially on third downs when it's third and fives. And Donovan Peoples-Jones, I mean, he's good enough to take a, a third and five where he sees a five-yard target and, you know, he'll probably bowl over at least like six or seven players on his way to the end zone. If they don't have all 11 guys guarding Donovan Peoples-Jones, I mean, dude, he could easily have probably 450 yards receiving with like six touchdowns in one week. So I love how you're nodding your head as if. <laughs> I'm just like, I see where you're coming from, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, I just feel like he can still have some relevance. And he's somebody that I'm not trying to drop. I might not be putting a ton of fab on him, but I at least want to have him on the back of the, of my rosters to see what happens, see what happens with this COVID thing. And he he's worth a flex start if your roster gets completely depleted by COVID. 75 cases, people, in two days. 75 yeah. cases in two days. 
you got to get a little bit desperate, and that's why I'm not trashing Donovan Peoples-Jones because of his upside ability to provide fantasy points versus a guy like Barrios or something where, you know, I don't I don't see the upside there with Zach Wilson. All right, let's hop on to the tight ends I want to trash because I want to talk about Ricky Seals-Jones real quick. Uh, we did have somebody on Twitter that, that wanted to bring up uh, Ricky Seals-Jones. So, Trophy Smack, if you're in here, if you're watching, uh, leave us a little comment over there. Love to see you guys in here. But I want to talk about Ricky Seals-Jones. Because Ricky Seals-Jones, right, he, he's somebody that, that people are all about. Because guess what? Everyone in Washington's, you know, tight ends, they see a 90% snap share. They're, they're out in the field on every play. And, and you know, Ricky Seals-Jones got four targets. But Ricky Seals-Jones is good. But Ron Rivera has repeatedly came out. And if you guys want to check it out, I have a little more of this in detail. TrophySmack.com. You go to the Smack Zone. You click on my article, which is waiver wire players to trash. And Ricky Seals Jones is somebody that, yeah, like I said, I don't see him seeing a 90% snapshot. Ron Rivera has came out multiple times and said that he wants to develop these young rooks, right? He's like, I don't care about playing, you know, younger players. They need to learn, they need to develop. And I think Ron Rivera, I think he actually knows that Washington is not able to compete this year. Like he, he doesn't want to believe it. He wants to believe in his guys, anything can happen. But I mean, let's be honest, Washington is still a year away. You know, Chase Young has to develop. He he got injured. He's not playing. Um, Montez Sweat still needs to develop his, his you know, different moves he has. Has to be able to get outside. Taylor Henneke can't be having these turnover-worthy plays. They still need to develop a young core. And if they roll out Ricky Seals-Jones, who, by the way, is not, he's not an old man. He's like 25, 26. But he's not a future aspect of this team. You know, they have a rookie tight end on a – they draft him fourth – fourth round i believe so they have him on a, a fourth round rookie contract which is pretty much like a free player for four years or for three years at least four years and you know for, for them to have that behind a contract player that they signed with logan thomas this is the, the perfect guy to actually succeed logan thomas and to actually be a, a relevant point in this offense within two or three years but they have to get him reps they have to get him in the game and this is the perfect chance to do so last week we saw it i mean John Bates ran more routes than Ricky Seals-Jones did by far. And sure, you could say Ricky Seals-Jones getting eased back from injury, blah, 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 blah. Screw all that. All right, there is no chance in hell that we will see a 90% snap share from Ricky Seals-Jones. And I don't think it's going to be relatively close. I mean, sure, the Eagles have allowed touchdowns to, ugh, I don't even know how many tight ends at this point in the season. They're the worst. However, they've actually been allowing the most tight ends to, I believe it's second or the most touchdowns to secondary tight ends. Uh, it, it's something as to where either way, I don't care if they're good or bad. We're not going to see the ball in Taylor Henneke's hands. We're not going to see them, you know, attempting a ton of passing attempts. And if they do, it could end up going to John Bates. And I don't want to take that chance. I mean, the Eagles over the past six weeks have allowed, I believe six passing touchdowns with three interceptions. Uh, so they're not allowing a, a ton of touchdowns. Meanwhile, they haven't allowed a ton of yards. And they've allowed, I think, what, two rushing touchdowns over the past three games, which we know we all know Taylor Henneke can run. I just don't see any way, shape, or form that Taylor Henneke sees enough or will attempt enough passes to make Ricky Seals-Jones relevant. I'm trashing Ricky Seals-Jones. I would rather pick up Brevin Jordan. I would rather pick up, um, I don't know, I was talking about it earlier today. I mean, Tyler Conklin, who you brought up, I mean, there, there's a whole plethora of, of tight ends I would much rather pick up over Ricky Seals-Jones. Trash Ricky Seals-Jones. He is not a good apple for this week, even though it's Philadelphia. 
All right, let's hop over to your gems real quick. We have Gabriel Davis, who I absolutely love. I have a, I have a crush on Gabriel Davis, and it's funny because I actually liked Isaiah Hodgins more than I liked Gabriel Javers. But after I saw his picture, right, for, for his mugshot, he reminded me of a Muppet. He reminded me of the hippie Muppet. You ever seen that hippie <laughs> Muppet that has, like, the hair coming out the top? And it's like, a, yeah. Oh, man, I can't remember the name of him, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, he reminds me of the hippie Muppet. So ever since then, I've, I've been in love. And we saw targets get forced his way throughout all of 2020. I mean, there it was something like, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but like 40% or 60% of his targets were contested catches, like or contested you know attempts. And it was like, how are you <laughs> continuously trying to force feed this guy when he's not open in reliance that a rookie is going to make a catch, but yeah, Manuel Sanders got hurt. So tell me what your, uh, what your take is on Gabriel Davis. Yeah. And Gabriel Davis can just get open and completely torch a corner with his size, with his vertical um, week 14, Gabe Davis finished with five receptions, 43 yards and a touchdown. Um, but what's more impressive from week 14 for me is that he ran routes on 80.6% of Josh Allen's dropbacks. And then we have Emmanuel Sanders out with the sprained knee, which will most likely keep him out of week 15. I, uh, I absolutely love Gabe Davis at the beginning of the season. He was in my um, second year wide receiver breakout category. I love his athleticism. I love the system that he plays in. Sure. It took him, you know, most of the year to get going, but I think he's going to be a dude who can, put you up some sneaky high points down the stretch. Yeah, I, I love it. I absolutely love that pick. And then, oh my God, look who's next. I didn't even see this. I swear to God, I did not see this player. I am so excited to talk about him. Oh my God. Well, I'll just introduce him. Um, I have Brevin Jordan. So obviously he's a rookie. He was a healthy scratch um, the first seven games of the season. But over the past six, he scored three touchdowns. He's really getting the looks. The other tight ends in Houston are um, more are becoming more of a blocking tight end role, whereas Brevin Jordan is becoming more of a receiving tight end role. Um, and his upcoming schedule is at Jacksonville, the Chargers, and the 49ers. Don't necessarily like the 49ers in week 17, but the next two weeks are pretty much smash plays. Plus, you have Davis Mills in as opposed to Tyrod Taylor. And I'm just going to let you take it away because I'm really interested. I need another rant in my life. Again, you really want another rant. <laughs> you really want another rant for real because I can go all day on Brevin Jordan. So Brevin Jordan is a dude that I compare to Delaney Walker. I feel like he's an exact replica of Delaney Walker. In fact, if you could pull up Delaney Walker's stats while I'm talking or his metrics on playerprofiler.com or at my DFS articles, or I would really appreciate that. Because we're looking at Brevin Jordan right now, and Brevin Jordan is, oh my God, just the, the sexiest beast you could ever want from a tight end position if he could stay healthy. I mean, this guy is what, like 240, I believe. Let me, uh, let me pull him up as well. He's like 6'3", 245. I mean, uh, speed above average, burst uh, somewhat questionable to an extent, but we have to think about him actually doing the, the pro day right? In less than ideal situations. And with him coming off, what again, or what is again, another injury? So real quick, what do you have for Delaney Walker's height? So his height is 6'1". Okay. What do you have for his weight? 242. 
Okay, what was this 40 time? Four, five, eight. Perfect. Okay, so we have a guy that's slightly bigger, right, with the same type of body frame. He ran a 4.68 at his pro day, so he's slightly slower. However, on tape, he is not that slow. He's coming off injuries and whatnot, deal with them throughout his entire career. And the guy plays so physical, right? He plays exactly like Delaney Walker. If you go to his film, you're not going to be able to find it unless you actually go to uh, unless you actually go to certain uh, uh, like Dynasty Nerds, for example, right, where they have all of his game film. Excuse me you're not going to be able to find it because they're not going to show his block stuff. But whenever he goes to blocks, people are running away from him. He has a cornerback on one of his highlights. It wasn't even a highlight. It was just a normal play. The quarterback ran away from him and ran out of bounds. And the cornerback, it was a running play because he was afraid of getting decked by uh, Brevin Jordan. Brevin Jordan plays out of his mind. And I think that's why they've been limiting him is because they're trying to teach him how to be safer with his body, how to stay healthy. So when it comes to Brevin Jordan, this guy is an athlete on the field. He makes incredible catches time in and time out, and now they're starting to utilize him in the offense. Over the past three weeks, he's seen north of a 35% target share. This past week, he saw 30 – or I'm sorry, snap share. He saw 36% of the snaps this past week, 36%, and he was targeted on seven different passes on only 36%. Oh, my God. In fact – let me pull up his routes run real quick because I, I'm just curious for myself. Like, I'm curious how many routes he ran in comparison to his actual targets. Oh, man, it's saying that I logged out. Are you kidding me? Oh. Are you kidding me right now? It's saying that I'm not even – no, I'm signed in. What is happening right now? Anyways, uh, Brevin Jordan is somebody who is, is – he's running the routes. He's getting the targets. He's somebody that, that I absolutely want to invest in every single week in DFS. And when it comes to season-long leagues with the schedule that's coming up, Brevin Jordan is an absolute gem. Uh, I, I see your notes right here. Jacksonville. Chargers. The Chargers, who have been terrible against the Titans, who are great on the outside. And the 49ers, who's a little bit of a tougher matchup overall, but we don't know what's going to happen with that secondary as we close in. I'm telling you guys, Brevin Jordan is a league winner at the tight end position, and I'm trying to grab him everywhere that I possibly can, but I can't get him anymore because he just freaking blew up a couple weeks ago. Oh, I hate it. I love Brevin Jordan. I love him. Love him. Brevin, if you're listening, I love you. All right. Let's go ahead and, and let's get out of here. Uh, oh, I do want to answer this last question from Jamie. Sorry, Jamie, for taking so long. Uh, if Hooper and Hawkinson are out this week, who's a better pickup? Seals Jones, Doyle, or O'Shaughnessy? Doyle scares me. Doyle scares me. Well, Shaughnessy, he, Shaughnessy's like a really bad <laughs> like slot wide receiver. Like, he's really bad. Like, he's not very good at being a wide receiver, but they try to use him as a wide receiver because they don't want to use tight ends. And it is, it's infuriating. Like, it, And it he sucks. gets so many targets. Go pick up Revan Jordan, Jamie. Unless you're asking about our league, because if you're asking about our league, I might actually already have him. Anyways, who would you, who would you like to pick up and, and play uh, in this upcoming week? Or, or, well, let's say pick up. Let's say invest in. I mean, maybe I think... it's not this week. I think out of those, especially for this week, it would be O'Shaughnessy because they are facing Houston. Um, Houston secondary is uh, can't go into all the details right now, but they are close to number 200 overall out of everybody in their secondary, basically across all metrics. So if you're looking to exploit a matchup, it would be O'Shaughnessy this week for me. 
I agree with you, especially because Kruger Hill um, has COVID right now or has is in and the he hurt a knee. Protocol. He got he got carted off with a knee injury as well. Oh, I didn't see that. Maybe that's what I saw, not COVID. Anyways, that's no, their, it's both. Their stud. It's it's literally both. Oh, sweet! Um, because my husband picked him up in our um, our <laughs> high money league, and of course, if you guys watch the show, you know that that's something that we go back and forth about. I'm like, I don't care who you pick up; just talk to me about it first. So he picked him up, and he was victory lapping over him um, before halftime. Before halftime, and then um, he got carted off with a knee injury. And then yesterday, we found out that he was on the COVID list as well. So I was like, we got a double dose of shit with him. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, typically he plays the running back, right? He tries to cover the running back at the backfield. So that might actually turn the dose score for Houston. Houston's been great at covering pass catching running backs, even though they haven't really had to. They still have done great when they have had to. And that's mainly because of Kruger Hill. So that could change everything for this whole Texans defense. We got to see if it's the system or if it's the player. But to that point, uh, he still ends up covering the tight ends on certain routes and might have to adjust everything on this defense because he is the leader. When you have a center point to an offense, it's like a quarterback in her. Like, you know, we talk about Lamar Jackson, how certain players are relevant. Now you have, uh, what's his name, Tyler Huntley coming in. Like, they have to adjust the entire system, which makes every single player lose value. And on defense, O'Shaughnessy could actually have a week, although he's not great at playing wide receiver. He's still a decent tight end, and you still could see the targets. I'm going to go with O'Shaughnessy as well. I'm sitting far away from Doyle. He could explode. We just never know when. And Ricky Seals-Jones, eh, pump the brakes on that one. So, with that being said, we're going to get out of here, unless anybody has any more questions. Britt, where can we find you? Well, you can find me at fightingchancefantasy.com. Uh, my weekly DFS value article should come out on Thursday or Friday. You can find me at the Calm Before the Storm on Sunday mornings doing start sit questions. Um, we are actually starting the lightning round tomorrow. We're transitioning into the playoffs, the playoff format. Um, and, uh, tomorrow morning, I will be putting out an article about post waivers, just in case you didn't get the guy who you wanted on fantasyintervention.com. Let's go. Let's go for it. Love it. And you all can find all of our content over there. Join our circle underscore on Twitter. Y'all can also go find me. At FF underscore intervention on Twitter. Make sure y'all go check out my articles over there, playerprofile.com and trophy smack. Big shout out to you guys. Y'all are killing it. Fantasy football discussion. Thank you guys for joining. And Dynasty Nerds for my rankings. Hey, Jamal, I really appreciate you, man, uh, coming in, by the way. If you're still here, appreciate you tuning into every episode. I, I'm thinking about doing something special for the, the people that have tuned into the, the majority of episodes. Uh, Jamal, you've been one of them. Jamie, big shout out to you as well. Of course, you've been one of the most. Uh, Reliable people. I've noticed Marcos, I believe, in the chat quite a few times. Uh, Benjamin, you've been here as well. Colby, I know you've been here. So we're going to do something for you guys at the end of the year. I haven't figured out what I'm going to do, but I appreciate you guys coming in, and we're going to figure out something, uh, whether we bring on the show, if you all want to, or something along those lines. But appreciate you guys. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you guys for letting us interview with your fantasy football life. We're out.
So trophysmack.com. See, they got these trophies that are like three or four feet tall. Like they're insane. You can get one with like fishbowls on it. You can get one with like bobbleheads on it. It is sick, man. You guys got to go check out trophysmack.com. I mean, you heard it. Ian didn't even know. And he literally vouched for the company without even knowing the news vouching for it. Go check out trophysmack.com. While you're there, go enter in promo code CIRCLE. Once again, that's promo code CIRCLE. You will get a free ring valued at 60 bucks. So go check out trophysmack.com. Go enter in the promo code CIRCLE to get your free ring 